Well, how is everybody doing this morning? Happy August long weekend. Wow, that what great weather we've been having this weekend. It was just so beautiful. I love that that humidity has let off and we're just getting that, that pure sunlight just bouncing off us. You know, it hasn't been too hot, hasn't, definitely hasn't been cold. I think we got a little bit of rain yesterday and I'm just, Father, we're just so thankful for good weather. You know, you got to be thankful in all things, right? Father, we thank you for this great weather that we've been having. We thank you for this opportunity to have this long weekend. We thank you for rest and refreshing. We thank you for good times with family and friends. And right now, we thank you for a good time in your word. Holy Spirit, right now, we take hold with you. We thank you that as we open the word, you bring revelation and insight to us. You show us things to come. You bring things to our remembrance and you lead us in your paths of peace. Show us how to glorify the Father. And right now, as we open the word, say this with me, I receive. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Well, we've been on a series now. Our summer series has been on, on kings, and right now we've been on week three of King David, who is just really one of the most awesome characters of the Bible, and we could spend a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time on King David. And so by no means is this an exhaustive study of all the things that happened to David in his life. But the main focus that we've been focusing on for this series is that God said about David, I have found David a man after my own heart, and he will do everything that I want him to do. Now, the reason why David would do everything that God wanted him to do not was because God, David was afraid of God and was like, I must obey or else. No, the reason why David would do what God wants is because David and God thought the same way. That's a great place to be in, to think like God, and therefore you begin to act. And so last week we explored how the Word of God will transform you and by changing the way you think. And religion is focused on changing the way we act rather than the way we think. And the word of God will change your thoughts first, your actions second. If you believe right, you will act right. If you believe wrong, you will act wrong. And if you believe in the love of God, man, love will begin to flow through your life. It says that his love has been shed abroad in our hearts. It has been poured into our heart is another way that the, a translation puts it. That he's poured his love. You know, our love is so inconsistent, it's so fickle. One day we're so happy about those around us, the next day we're like, ah, get away from me, I need some peace. God's love is not like that. He never has a day where he wakes up on the wrong side of the bed. Isn't that good? You know, and I think a lot of religion has that idea of God. What kind of mood are you in today, God? Are you going to treat me good today or are you, are you having a wrathful day? There is no wrath left in God. It says that he poured it out upon Jesus. And Jesus was not just like, oh no God, don't do it. No, it said Jesus willingly took it upon himself and he killed it and put it in the grave. So all God has got is love and grace and peace and mercy towards you. Hallelujah. So David was a man after God's own hearts, and we told you that that word that is used there for heart has to do with the mode of thinking and the mode of acting. You can be in that position. So, so far we've talked about David, that you never run at your giant with your mouth closed. 
We look at the story of David and Goliath. Goliath came out spitting venom, and David went toe-to-toe right back. David said, am I, or Goliath said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? You're sending out this little boy at me? And David says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord my God, the Lord of Israel. You know, you got to have some good responses to the situations of your life. You know, because they do a lot of talking to us, but how much talking do you do back? You know, we saw that David replied to the Philistine. You know, the story would have still seemed cool if David just went out there, Goliath going, and he just knocked him down. But that's not what David did. David aligned his heart and his thoughts and his words with God. You know, here's something we all have to realize as Christians. The enemy doesn't care what you believe as long as you're quiet about it. He doesn't care. Why? Because it won't work for you if you stay silent. You go throughout the whole New Testament, it's all about speaking the word of God. And that's why we see Jesus in Mark 11, when he gets to the fig tree, the fig tree doesn't have food to feed him, and he's hungry, and in response, response to what? Last time I checked, trees don't talk. Oh, but they do. Last time I checked, your bills don't talk. Oh, but they do. Last time I checked, sickness doesn't talk. Oh, but it does. Go stub your toe, and you'll find out how much (laughs) your body will talk to you. Go get a sunburn and then put a shirt on and feel how much your body will talk to you. When was the last time you talked back to it? You know, I love what Jim Hockaday said. He realized when when he got a hold of this message, he heard Brother Hagin say that if he would have heard heard this message younger, he would have started believing God for good teeth and good hair. And Jim Hockaday heard him say that when he was young and was like, I'm going to start talking that in my life, that I age well. And now Jim's like mid-late 50s, and he looks like he's in his 40s, you know. You can age gracefully by the grace of God, by the power of God. You don't have to accept the aging process as everybody else does. You can age good. You can look good. Oh, come on. Some of you are loving that. Some of you, I don't know about it. The Word of God says He renews your youth like the eagle's. Yeah, receive that. He renews your youth. Hallelujah. Remember we were talking about that word renewal last week. It means to go through a renovation. Let God do some renovation. Hallelujah. Oh, you guys are in for a treat this morning. I'm in a mood. <laughs> and so in response, let's go back to that. In response, Jesus said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. And that's important because it's not something that Jesus just thought to the tree. It says that his disciples heard it, which was awesome that they were listening and that they were paying attention because the next day when they were on through, it says now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And that shot off in Peter and he said, Master, look, the tree you talked to is dead. You know, there's some things that should have been dead in your life long ago that have been awaiting your voice. 
You know, I like what Joseph Prince says. He says, you know, a lot of people don't know how to speak blessing in their life, but you've gotten pretty good at speaking cursing, so curse sickness, curse lack, go ahead and curse all those negative things in your life. Amen. Can't speak good things? At least speak bad about the bad things. <laughs> and we said that faith starts with God. That's what Jesus said. He said, have faith in God. That was his response to Peter. Your faith always starts with God and his word. Your faith does not start with your situation or the mountain or the lack or the disease or whatever. It always starts with God because that will give you the proper perspective. How you view something is very important. You know, there's the old joke that, you know, five blind guys came up to an elephant and they were all feeling it. And then they asked, so what's an elephant like? And one said, well, it's kind of like soft like leather. And the other one said, it's like tall like a tree. And another one said that it's hard like, like, the, like, a, like rock. And they all gave a different report based upon the different part of the elephant they were touching. They couldn't see it. You know, sometimes the way we're looking at things is the problem, and the Word of God will bring you that perspective. Hallelujah. You know, I wasn't planning on spending much time on these this morning, but that's really important. You got to look like God looks, and David got himself in that position by thinking like God thinks. And so faith starts with God and then it's expressed through our words or released through our words. Then it influences our actions and results in our lives. The second thing we said about David is that you can't hold on to the past because it will stop you from embracing the future. We saw this with Samuel where it's God said to Samuel, he said, how long will you mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. What was he saying to Samuel? Get up and move on. We're done with Saul. I've got a new king. So wherever you are right now, there might be some things you need to let go of. Stand up and move on and go into the new things God has for you. And while you're doing that, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit over what looks good to your eyes. And so we saw that Samuel was sent to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem where he was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. And when the first son got there, Samuel thought to himself, and it tells us his thoughts, surely this is the one that God wants to anoint. He's tall, he's handsome, he's smart, he's a warrior. But God's response to Samuel was, but the Lord said, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. And it says, people judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the, everyone say the word with me, heart. And that's why he was looking for David, a man after his own heart. Now, we could go on with David this morning and talk about all those other stories that, you know, fire you up and be like, yeah, David did this. But you know, a true test of character isn't how you are on your best days, but how you act on your worst days. 
anyone can smile when it's going good. But what about when everything's gone bad for the whole week and someone starts coming and pushing your buttons? They say that your life is kind of like a tube of toothpaste. When it gets under a little bit of pressure, what's inside comes out. And so if we want to see David's heart after God, we need to look at him a little bit under pressure. So you ready for that this morning? So here's where we find David. We left him in our last story. Samuel anoints him with oil, and it says the Holy Spirit comes upon him mightily. And you'd think from that point, he'd go on and he'd be made king right away. They'd conquer all their enemies, and things would be going awesome. And that's like the exact opposite of what happens. David ends up on the run, running from the former king, King Saul, for seven years. Some people don't want to wait seven minutes let alone seven years, knowing that you're the rightful king, you're the one who should be ruling, you should be having all these people follow you. Seven years. And not only that, he's no longer even living in his own country. He's been pushed out, and he's living with Israel's enemies, the Philistines. Remember? Goliath was a Philistine. And now David is off fighting with them as a mercenary under one of the warlords of, the, of a certain region within Philistia. And so he goes out after all these different things. He's been with them for a while now, a few years, and he ends up on the battlefield with them, and they're about to go and fight Israel. Surprising spot for the, the future king of Israel to be fighting, about to go against your own people. But the other Philistines see David... And they say to the one who was David's friend, what is he doing here? He's the one that they sing the song that David has killed his tens of thousands. He's not our friend. And the, the guy tries to defend him, and he's saying, you know, David has been nothing but an honorable ally to me since he came. And they're like, no way. He is not coming on the battlefield with us because he's going to turn on us what we, once we get out there, and then we're all in for it. And so they send David away. And so David's kind of like, you know, where do we go from here? And so he decides, well, let's, let's go home to family. You know, it seems like a good, reasonable spot to get there. And so in Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, here's where we're going to pick up the story. It says, three days later, so after three days after he's been rejected, when David and his men arrived at their, ta- their hometown of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag, and they had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. So a bad day has just gone to worse. And it says that they carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. Well, there's a plus. And it says when David and his men saw the ruins, they realized what had happened to their families, and they wept until they could weep no more. Let's put this in perspective. They came home. They no longer have a house. They came home. They don't have a couch anymore. It got burned to the ground with the house. It's not like they had banks at those times, so all of their possessions are now gone. How would you feel if someone just went and emptied your bank account, carried away your wife and your kids or your husband and your kids? Take, taken all of your most violated possessions. Maybe you've got some heirlooms that have been passed down for generations. What if they were all of a sudden gone tomorrow? That's the position David and his men are in. 
everything is gone. So let's put our own lives in that perspective for a second. We've got it pretty good compared to David in this story. So you didn't get the promotion that you thought you wanted. You still got your stuff. Nobody carried away your family into slavery. And it said that David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. And David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter, and rightly so. They were following him, and now they got nothing. And they were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. So it's gone even worse. Not only did he not get to go to battle, now he's got nothing, and now his own friends are turning on him. Been there? And not only are they turning on him, they're not just mad at him, let's kill him. How about, have you been there? <laughs> so David's having a pretty bad day. So let's look at his response. But David found strength in the Lord his God. You know, that's a great statement there. But you know, it kind of leaves you with the idea that it was like David's having a bad day and then God was like, okay, boom, strength. It's all better, David. But the, the King James actually gives us a clearer picture of what actually happened. It says here, but David encouraged himself. You know, we often look to others around us too much. They are not responsible for your encouragement. They are not the key to your victory. You are. And so it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that word is the word Kazakh, which means to strengthen, to prevail, to harden, to become strong, and to become, per, become firm. And so a lot of people, when they get under pressure, the very thing that happens to them is they collapse under the pressure. But David said, no, this is not where it ends. And he strengthened himself. He became firm. He gave himself a backbone. You know, this word can go two ways. And if we look back in the Old Testament where it was used, when the children of Israel were at captives in the land of Egypt and Moses came to the Pharaoh and said, you're letting the people go. This is what happened in Exodus 7.22. The Pharaoh's heart grew hard. That's the same word, Kazakh. So in the Pharaoh's case, he hardened himself in a negative direction. In David's case, he hardened himself in a positive direction. It kind of reminds me about Jesus when it said that he was in the garden and the weight and the pressure began to come upon him and he said to God, he said, you know, I don't want to go to the cross, but not my will, but your will be done. And the pressure was so immense on him that he started to sweat blood. And he went back three times and he said the same thing. Not my will, but your will be done. And after he said it the last time, the Bible tells us this. He set his face like flint. What is flint? Flint is stone. Flint is rock. 
He set his direction and said, this is where I'm going. We're not having this conversation anymore. I don't want to go to the cross, but I'm going to do it for the sake of all humanity. And when you get under pressure and situations aren't looking good for you, why don't you put your foot down and set your face like Flint? I'm coming out. I'm going over. This is not going to be the end of me. I always go over. I love one of David's psalms. He says, I can run through the enemy and I can leap over a wall. When David set his mind to the direction that he was going, he chose not to waver. And so when it says that David encouraged himself or strengthened himself, you can do the same. You don't always get to choose the situations you find yourself in, but you do get to choose the direction of your heart. You can harden it against God, or you can harden it under his promises. So he says to Abathar the priest, bring ye the ephod, and so Abathar brought it. Now that may seem like a fairly innocuous verse to the casual reader, but you have to understand what David asked for. The ephod was part of the high priest's garments. Now in the Old Testament, you had three power players. You had the prophet, you had the priest, and you had the king. And the great thing about David is David let the lines be blurred. He had no problem getting up and prophesying. He had no problem standing up and being the king. And he had no problem representing himself before God. And so he asked for the ephod to be brought to him, and it would be, be this cloak that they would wear, and it'd have jewels on it, but inside the ephod was what they called the urim and the thummim, which were the, the, the stones that they would use to ascertain the simple will of God. The priest would ask questions, and they would be drawn to either the good one or the negative one. They call it innocence or judgment, or the, is like the literal translations for Ermin and Thuman. And so what David was asking, telling, saying, I want to go talk to God and determine our direction, and I'm not letting anybody else get in my way. So David went straight to God for himself. You can go straight to God for yourself. I love how the book of Hebrews starts. It says, God used to talk to his people by prophets. Now he talks to them through his son. If you've got God on the inside of you in the form of Jesus and you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, go talk to him and he will lead you. You say, God, should I go do this? And then listen on the inside. Does it feel right or does it not feel right? It's the exact same symbolic as what David was doing here with the Urim and the Thummim. He went to God and he said this. He said, should I chase after this band of raiders? And he listened for the response. Will I catch them? And the Lord says to them, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. You always need to stop and take the time. You know, the situation could have gotten even worse. If David didn't consult God and get people back on his, on his side, guess what? He dead. Story ends there. And you don't always know how dire the situation is that you've just walked into. So stop it from going further. Go straight to God and get back on the right track. Now, the wonderful thing about David, excuse me, is 
most characters of the Bible, we just have the historical record. We have, this is what David did. David asked the Lord. Dave, God gave him this response, yada, yada, yada. You know, it's, it's very cut and dry for most people. But David, throughout the Old Testament, he was an artist. He was a poet. He was a musician. So not only do we get the, 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 the general details, David then went and put the situations into song, put them into poetry, and told us exactly what was going on in his head. You don't have to wonder what David was thinking. He told you. I like the one who says, where would we go, God? What is man that you are mindful of me? Where could I go where you would not be? If I went to hell, you'd be there with me. If I went up into heaven, you'd be there with me. I love that it just tells us his inner thoughts, and they weren't always pretty. And the great thing about that is neither are yours. I think it'd be scary if people could hear what we think. And there's a good reason why God did not make us telepathics that be able to figure that out, because some thoughts are better left unknown. But David, we get to see his thoughts put into music and poetry. And so we can read Psalm 13 or Psalm 18 or Psalm 57 or, or Psalm 61. Those were all written around this moment right here in David's life. But the most complete record we have of his thoughts for this moment actually take place in Psalm chapter 119. And the reason why they get missed is because there's 176 verses in Psalm 119. <laughs> And I think by the time you hit the middle section, your eyes have glossed over. It's best if you break that chapter up and read it section by section. And so right in the middle, starting in verse 81, we have David's thoughts from this exact situation. The city has been burned down. His possessions, his wives, his children, all his men's stuff carried away. And here's what David's first thought is. I'm homesick. He's tired of living with the Philistines. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Seven years has already been too long. I'm waiting for your word of hope. I think I can relate to that. I've been in positions where I'm like, God, show me a little glimmer. This is my eyes are growing heavy, watching for some sign of your promise. How many people can relate? You know, your thoughts to God don't always have to be pretty. He's, he's not afraid of your emotions. He gave them to you. He says, how long must I wait for your comfort? There's smoke in my eyes. Why? They burn down the town. It's smoldering. They burn with water. But I keep a steady gaze on I love that it stops right there for a second. I keep a steady gaze on the smoldering pile of everything I've lost. No, I keep a steady gaze on your instructions you post. That's focus. How long do I have to put up with all this? How long till you haul my tormentors into court? What David didn't know is Saul was being dealt with as this was happening. That battle that they rejected David from, the Philistines went through with. They fought Saul. Saul died there. So here as David is pouring his heart out to God, God is already dealing with the situation and he doesn't even know it. 
How many times have you been bawling and squalling about something and God is already working behind the scenes? Says the arrogant godless try to throw me off track, ignorant as they are of God and his ways, and everything you command is a sure thing. But they harass me with lies. Help. You know, I lo- it kind of reminds me of, uh, of, of the man that comes to Jesus. He says, look, Jesus, if you're willing, can you heal my son? And he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And what the man's response was, I believe, Lord. Help my unbelief. God loves when you say, help. I love what Joseph Prince says. He says, even the, the slightest groan reaches the throne. They've pushed and pushed and they never let up. But I haven't relaxed my grip on your wrath, on your judgment. No, I haven't relaxed my grip on your counsel. In your great love, revive me. Why? He's got nothing left in the tank. In your great love, Lord. I love that he focused on his love. You focus on God's love for you, it will pull you up. It'll blow you up like a balloon and you'll begin to rise up out of those situations. And he says, so I I alertly obey your every word. Okay, we gotta move a little bit because there's a lot that he says here. He says, what you say goes, God, and stays as permanent as the heavens. Your truth never goes out of fashion. It is as up to date as the earth when the sun comes up. Your word and truth are dependable as ever. That's what you ordered. You set the earth going. Your revelation has, hadn't, if your, let's get my words there. If your revelation hadn't delighted me so, I would have given up when these hard times came. So David, going back to what we said last week, had fixed his thoughts to think like God because of the word of God. Now, the word of God was different for David. He only had like the first five books of the Bible, but that was enough to tell him that God is a good God. God delivers. God is a sure bet when you place your hope in him. He says, I would have given up if I hadn't believed what you had said. He says, but I'll never forget the advice you gave me. You saved my life with those wise words. Save me, I'm all yours. I look high and low for your words of wisdom. The wicked lie in, in ambush to destroy me, but I'm only concerned with your plans for me. I see the limits to everything human, but the horizons can't contain your commands. Oh, how I love all that you have revealed. I reverently ponder it all day long, and your commands give me an edge on my enemies. (laughs) I love that. You've got an edge. You're not the underdog. You're the one that the cards are in your favor. They never become obsolete. I've even become smarter than my teachers since I've pondered and absorbed your counsel. I've become wiser than the wise old sages simply by doing what you tell me. That's a, that's a step further. Not only is it about your word, O oh God, I go ahead and I do it. That's why James says, be a, a doer of the word and not a hearer only. 
Because well, you can hear and hear and hear and hear, and it will never do you any good until you put it into practice in your life. I watch my step by avoiding the ditches and the ruts of evil so I can spend all my time keeping your word. I never make detours from the route you laid out. You gave me such good directions. Your words are so choice, so tasty, I prefer them to the best home cooking. With your instructions, I understand life. Life doesn't have to be a mystery. That's why I hate false propaganda. By your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. And David had a dark path before him right there. He doesn't know if he's getting his family back. He doesn't know if he's getting his stuff back while he's right thinking these words that he later wrote down. But the word of God becomes a light to your path. Says I've committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. Everything's falling apart on me, God. Put me together again with your word. If you feel like you're broken this morning, that's okay. You can be fixed. Life may have shattered you into a million pieces. God's got a million to put you back together with. He created all that we see and all that we know, nothing is too broken for our God. They call him the great physician. Hallelujah. Put me together again with your word. Festoon me with your finest sayings. Okay, I had to look up that word. You want to learn a new word today? The word festoon means to drape with flowers or with ribbons. So basically, think of it as like you go to Hawaii and they put the lei around your neck. He's saying, drape your finest sayings over me, God. Festoon me with your finest <laughs> sayings, God. Teach me your holy rules. My life is as close as my own hands, but I don't forget what you have revealed. The wicked do their best to throw me off track, but I don't swerve an inch from your course. I inherited your book on living. It's mine forever. What a gift and how happy it makes me. I consecrate on doing ex or concentrate, sorry, on doing exactly what you say and I always have and I always will. I hate the two-faced, but I love your clear-cut re revelation. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. Get out of my life, evildoers. So I can keep my God's commands. Take my side as you promised. I'll live then for sure. Don't disappoint all my grand hopes. Stick with me and I'll be all right. I'll give total allegiance to your definitions of life. You know, I started thinking about that. He says, I give total allegiance to not to you, God. You know, a lot of people are trying to talk about how committed they are to God. But here, David says, Lord, I'm committed to the way you define things. How do you define this situation? Because for David, the definition was, I've lost everything. But little did David know that behind the scenes, he just gained the whole kingdom. Saul's dead, and he's been anointed king. How does God define your situation? How does God define your life? With long life shall I satisfy them, that I'll give them the desires of their heart. 
that I'll supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, there's so many promises that you should put on your lips. How does God define your life? That means you'll have to let go of some definitions of your own. Expose all who drift away from your sayings. Their casually, casual idolatry is lethal. You reject the earth's wicked as so much rubbish, and therefore I lovingly embrace everything you say. I shiver in awe before your decisions. Leave me speechless with reverence. I stood up for justice and the right. Don't leave me to the mercy of my oppressors. Take the side of your servant, good God. <laughs> yeah, in the midst of his biggest problem, the worst day of his life, he's still calling God good. Most people are saying, God, how dare you let me get in this situation? God didn't put him in this situation. And God did not put you in your situation either. Generally, our choices did there, or other people's bad choices, but their choices don't have to keep you here. It says, take the servant side of your servant, good God. Don't let the godless take advantage of me. I can't keep my eyes open any longer, waiting for you to keep the promise to set everything right. Let your love dictate how you deal with me. Teach me from your textbook of life. I'm your servant. Help me understand what that means. Whew. I'm your servant. Help me understand what that means. The inner meaning of your instruction. It's time to act, God. <laughs> I like that David is blunt with God. You know, God didn't strike him with lightning. You know, some people are like that. You, you, gotta, you gotta walk on eggshells around God. No, David just flat out told God, it's time to get off your butt. That's what he said, right? It is time to act, God. <laughs> They've made a shambles of your revelation. Yeah, saying, God, I love what you command. I love it better than gold and gemstones. Yeah, saying, God, I honor everything you tell me, and I despise every deceitful detour. Every word you give me is a miracle word. Woo! That is what the word of God is to you. When he said it, he meant it. It'll change the boundaries of your life. Every word you give me is a miracle word. But yet some people read the Bible and go, no, 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 no. Oh, that was nice. Every word is filled with life and filled with power and can transform your life. And what Kenneth Copeland says, he says, one word from God can change your life. Every word is a miracle word. How could I help but obey? Break open your words and let the light shine out. Let ordinary people see the meaning, mouth open and panting, drawing, longing for the word. I wanted your commands more than anything. Turn my way, look kindly on me as you always do to those who personally love you. Steady my steps with your word of promise so nothing malign gets the better of me. Rescue me from the grip of bad men and women so I can live life your way. Smile on your servant. 
everything David has said was revolving around the word. What have you said, God? I've been listening to your promises, and I expect to see them get up and fulfill them. Smile on your servant. And then he ends this way. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because people disobey your instructions. At first he was in tears because he'd lost everything. In the end, he looked around and realized not many people are walking this direction with me. But one thing stuck out to me as I read through those 57 verses. That living by faith isn't about denying your emotions. It's about not letting them have the final word. You can be in loss and not let loss keep you. You can be sick and not let sickness keep you. You can be in lack and not let lack keep you. You can let the word lift you out. So that's a little bit different than David encouraged himself in the Lord when you actually know what he said to God. And after he finished saying those things, so David and his 600 men set out and they got back everything plus more. Maybe you've just had your worst day. Maybe you're still trying to recover from your last worst day. You ain't too broken. Got to use some poor grammar. You ain't too broken. Today can be a new day. Hallelujah. Cobrida na masutu kacho, marino no sikorita brandila makata yatoto cho, bosu sikabrandi korutiti, mila mrisi kato chushila matoto makai, morutu kayanda shesharabuku, sirte brina yanda sututubaku. My heart is for you. My heart is for you to rise above the circumstances and situations. Rise above and allow my word to quicken your innermost being. Allow my word to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. As you put your word, my word, into your heart, it, the entrance of my word, it'll give you light. It will give you understanding. It will give you revelation in the way that you should walk. Allow my spirit, my word, to light a path before you. Light a direction and be led forth with the peace that I have placed within your heart. Overcome, be an overcomer. Pila bruto kashina matas su koruto, mina kadecha chakum bosis tibi, baranda kalmoto, choro to Jesus, silama kayandra bukuchiototo. And I have not left you helpless. I have not left you with what you need. I have said, call upon me and you shall be saved. And so I have been waiting and I have been watching and I have been longing for you to ask me for help, to call upon my name. 
You want to see a revolution? Ask me, and I will turn things around. So why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for, for your example that you've given us with David. How that in his worst day, in his worst moment, he called upon you and you came to his help. You came to his rescue. And you turn the situation around. So why don't you just go ahead and lift up your hands with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your salvation. Right now we call upon the name of the Lord. We ask you to step into the situations of our lives. We ask for your help. We ask for your revolution, Father, in our lives. We ask for you to deliver us from those who would try and hold us down and hold us back. Father, we know you're a good God that you're filled with love, you're filled with mercy, and so right now we just receive from you in Jesus' name. And we thank you for it. Now maybe you've been watching this morning via the internet and you haven't made God the Lord of your life. You can't be delivered by someone you haven't turned to for help. And so there's just one thing the Bible says. He says, all those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's his only condition. He says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And so this morning, we would like to pray with you. And right now, just follow along with us. We say, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We believe you raised him from the dead. We receive him as our Lord. And we thank you for your help. In Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with us this morning, I'd like you to get in contact with us so that we can get some resources into your hands and help get you hooked up with a good church in your area. But as you approach this week, everyone within the sound of my voice, you are not stuck. This is not the end. There is more ahead of you than what is behind you. And remember that God loves you and he accepts you right now. You guys have a great week. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend.